Hello, everybody. And again, Janet Lee. That was absolutely superb. That I'm telling that's the top of the chart. That was beautiful. I thank you, my married to 50 years plus wife, my sweet honey lady. God bless you. I love that. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And that is it. Bless you. And hello out there, everybody. Today, we are on a journey through the book of the seven thunders before Genesis. And today is part three of that journey. So we are happy to have you here. And um, I still have just a few of these books left at that special price. For any of you people that haven't gotten the book, you know, get, get on the website and uh, you want to take advantage of it because it's, uh, you know, it's the best buy that I could get for you. And uh, I have a few left. In fact, I'll soon be running out of the of the soft back uh, books and it'll go into the hard, uh, you know, back books. And that'll, of course, cost more money, but they're beautiful. All right, enough of the sales pitch. Today, we're going to cover a few things, uh, sort of um, just a little bit of a review uh, I had a call from one of the brothers, and I so enjoy some of these calls that I get, uh, you know, where people make their comments and and uh, what they have gotten out of the, the teaching and what they have enjoyed. Uh, I, I, I appreciate it, you know. And um, this person was very impressed with the things about the names and the parables uh, and how that uh, that was so important because... You know, um, in the day that this revelation was given, there just didn't exist in the human uh, vocabulary uh, names uh, to describe uh, the the revelation, and so it had to be put into parables and and into uh, you know the best uh, terms uh, metaphorically that could be used, and that's what this book uh, that we are on the journey through, uh, has. So we're going to start in the book today on page 39. This is a short review on this thing about, um, you know, uh, parables and names. <clears throat> so on page 39, very interestingly, uh, it, and I read it to you last uh, week, but we, these are beautiful, beautiful uh, words. I will open my mouth to speak parables. I will utter deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriority. Psalm 78, 2, paraphrased. You know, God wants us to know the Alpha Omega revelation. That which was, that which is, and that which is to come. And if there was ever anything that relates to the, the lost language of Akka, which we minister about in this book and in other teachings, certainly that which is long, long ago has been lost to the insight of many of God's people. I will utter deep sayings from the long, long ago of anteriority. Ah, Psalms 78 to, wow. Okay, then we're going to go 
to uh, page 46 and 47. And uh, <clears throat> I want to read just a few things from that. Um, page 46, about midway down where it starts off with, I used the term parable. I used the term parable to describe some of the stories herein because the terms, the names, and definitions of their real events could not otherwise be spoken of within the limits of human vernacular. Accordingly, each of the seven universes is presented as parables. Wow. Even a colossal library on earth would not begin to hold all the stories of the seven universes and its people, nor could the language of any one universe begin to have a su sufficient vocabulary to express the languages and the happenings of all the seven universes. Therefore is pulsated only highlight reflections from the mirror of time in which the seven universes had their times and abodes. Wow! On the next page, 47, I saw languages pouring down as a humming rain. Four letters of a language flashed on and off like a neon effect. Y-H-V-H. It was a code belonging to the once lost language of Akka. Now the interesting thing about this is, as I explained to you last week in this uh, Tetragrammaton, that the real true beauty of that revelation when, which Moses received from God, where God said, I am and I am, which has mostly been translated, I am that I am, but <clears throat> quite beautifully translated, I am and I am. <clears throat> so the way it is, as I explained last week, you have vowels and you have consonants. And um, <clears throat> when you take, and you take the first part of the four letters, Y-H, <clears throat> all you have to do is supply the vowel there in between the Y and the H to get Yah. And then that is an abbreviation for Yahweh, or as we say it, Yahweh-El. And then the middle letter that we've used here can either be a W or a V. We use the V. And the V here means and. So we have Yah and. And then the way it works in the Hebrew, because you've already repeated a consonant before, the Y, you don't have to repeat it again. So you have the same thing at the tail end here a Y and an H, and when you put the vowel in between it, which is an A, you've got Yah again. So you've got Yah and Yah. Wow. Or when it's transliterated, I am and I am. Wow. I love it. I love it. And truly, this is part of the lost language of Akka. Part of the lost language because there's much, much more that uh, telescopes from out of that uh, put together 
and flashes off into time and timelessness. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. Now turn with me um, to page um, 506. Yes, way to the back of the book. 506. And uh, <clears throat> we want to read um, uh, down, uh, you know, toward the middle here. And uh, it starts all the way over to the right side. You're, you're about, um, you know, halfway down. And that right after it says, Invisible Ultimate God, it says, This story also regards the seven universes created before the eighth universe in which planet Earth abides. For unto the point of the conclusion of the seven universes, the universe where planet Earth abides had not been sparked into existence. So this is going back into time, even before, you know, even before uh, the complete, uh, uh, you know, revelation was able to be moved on to the, to the new universe, the eighth universe, wherein uh, was planet Earth. And then on the, at the top of the uh, page 507, which is the next page, it says, and those truths still remain in ancient histories as parables, paradigms and, and mysteries. The manifest revelation to the general masses has been extensively lost. And you know, the really important and beautiful thing about the Holy Manifest Ministry is a res restoration of the lost language of God and a restoration. Well, when you look through the Bible, there's approximately 22 books that the Bible says to read, but you can't read because they are missing. 20, almost 22 books missing, lost. Turn to page 33. Page 33. <clears throat> and let us read here. Blessed be the name of God. We thank God for his mercy. We thank God for his love. We thank God for his way of being with us, giving us a surety. On page 33, second paragraph down. <clears throat> I came to know <clears throat> about the Soundtron wave and energy dots. Would you like to know about the Soundtron wave? Would you like to know about energy dots? Someone says, well, I, I don't know if I would or not. I don't know what they are. So to you, it's a lost language because you don't know what it means. It's almost irrelevant to you. But there are so many truths that God wants us to have because they are being planted in you Plant it into your genetic river. And even though you do not have an, uh, a, another child, even though this is planted in you, that genetic river of yours, as it walks about, as it does its job, 
as it lives its life, that essence of truth has ability to quantum leap over your fleshly walls and to travel as spirit of truth out into the corridors of the heavens and of the earth. It's just a beautiful thing. <clears throat> there is a language of pure truth wherein one may pierce the fuzziness of uncertainty. Now, in the, the theories that exist, there is, and I've even preached on this one, what's called an uncertain, uncertainty principle. But you know, in the, the revelation that I will give someday in its fullness about the creation of the universe, the revelation of the atoms and the molecules and the subatomic particles, in that particular revelation, I'm going to touch on it later today, it does not contain the uncertainty principle, does not exist in the true breakthrough revelation about the heavens and the earth, <clears throat> about the universe, how it was created. There is a language of pure truth wherein one may pierce the fuzziness of uncertainty, the fuzziness of uncertainty, and thereby forecast the objectivity of insight manifestly Zephaniah 3.9, where one may discover the soundtron and its sound-lined waves of God I am, the lesser Yahweh who is, who is the who was and who is, and the who that shall be. Every person, every person willing to lift one's mind upwards may experience beyond the passive mode, page 34, the interactive mode of thinking and insight to the soundtron waves of I am Yaviel. The word soundtron is a revelation of the ancient use of the Hebrew word gav or gavah, gavah, meaning sound and measure. Wow, it's lovely. Let's move on. Turn with me to Genesis 21.18, the Bible, Genesis 21.18. In the book of Genesis 21.18, this is what it says. You know what? I had too many numbers in there. How about turning to Genesis chapter 2? <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, 18. There we go. That is better. All right. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an, an help meet or mate for him. Do you know that God is looking out for you? Even 
as to your marriage partner, even as to, you know, your destined love. God is looking out for you. God cares. And God says it's not good that a human, a man, should be alone. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now here, ladies and gentlemen, is some proof of this manifest teaching that I've been doing out of this book about there are things that sometimes have to be named and, and, and uh, you know, uh, they haven't been named before because they didn't exist before. And so, obviously, Adam was in a very special spiritual and mental place in which he had an understanding of the lattice of the plants and the lattice of animals. Because in those days when things were given a, day, a name, every name was pertinent to a meaning. And those meanings were enveloped in the things that were oracles and manifestations and revelations. And so Adam would take an, a beast, an animal was brought before him, and he would name he gave names to the cattle, and he gave names, in verse 20, to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. He gave names. Why are names important? Because they designate. They tell a story. They describe a lattice. It's quite different in the Bible how it is today on earth where people just pick a name of some popular person or some popular thing and say, I'm going to call my, my kid that name. Back then, in the revelation of the lost language of Akka, every name had, an, had a purpose. And that's why that in the Bible sometimes there are names and people don't realize that when they read that name, say, of a man, that if they went into the interpretation of that name, it might actually be the name of a star. And they didn't want to put star in that part there of the Bible. So they used the other side of the name and just made it to be a name for a physical person. Sometimes when a lake or a mountain or a stream or a river has been given a name, it has a story to it. It has a meaning to it. 
And those stories and those meanings are part of the lost language of Akka. And that's what the language of Akka, the lost language of Akka, is all about. The restoration of that knowledge. Restoring unto us the paths. Redeeming us from those lost revelations. And restoring the years that the cankerworm and the caterpillar have eaten. God is big in the restoration business. Now Adam names these animals. And by naming these animals and, and describing their lattice, it was very, very clear to him that none of those animals, and I'm sure that this even included some of the pre-Adamic people that had lattices, but they were different from, from, from Adam. And there could not be found, even among the pre-Adamic humans, which the Bible calls them in Ecclesiastes also beasts, and he says, I pray, God, that you would manifest man, that he would understand that he himself is a beast. So when we have this example of God formed every beast of the field, never fowl the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, it was more than just a name. It, it was a, a definition, a spiritual revelation of their lattices. And the sad thing that as after he used all this revelation, this incredible insight, he discovered that there wasn't anybody else out there that was like himself. And for Adam, it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet or helpmate for him. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept, and he took out one of his ribs, or from the side thereof. And I'm not going to get into that story that the manifest teaches right now. But God had to take his mate from out of himself so that the lattice could be the same. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Wow. What a beautiful thing, and what a revelation of this thing of the name. How important that that is. To understand that there was all these names that didn't exist. But by having an understanding of the lost names of Akka, having an understanding of the new names that were to be, he could see what belonged to his peace and what didn't. What was aligned to his lattice and what was not. And when he discovered there was nothing there, I mean, that's a sad discovery. But it's not the end, it's not the period. Because God cares. Remember, God said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. God cares. He really, really does. And God reached out. And he did something of duality within Adam. Wow. Wow. 
That's just a beautiful thing. And so the name was so important. His wife was called Eve. First she was just called Adam. A lot of people aren't aware of that, that their name was Adam. I think that's the fifth chapter of Genesis. And then later, she was called Eve, which means the mother of all living. Oh, what a powerful name. What an utterly powerful name. How deep that goes. How revelating that goes. What an oracle. Well, when these parables have been given, Jesus said to his disciples, when they asked him, why do you speak in parables? He said, it's given for you to understand the parables, but to others it is not given. That's why it has to be spoken in parables. Well, I believe you listeners out there, it's given for you to understand the parables of the seven universes revealed in this book of the seven thunders. Because the seven thunders are speaking and there's lightning and there's thunder. And just to show how powerful the, th that language of lightning is and the language of thunder is, Jesus once said, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven as lightning. The voice of lightning. What a revelation about Lucifer. What a revelation about the speed of light. Wow. Just so interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Turn with me to um, page in the book, back to the book, page 49. Page 49. Just a little ditty here that I just want to throw in as we close out on that part and move on to our next part. Page 49. Blessed be the name of God. Now, down a little, maybe two paragraphs we could call it, or three. In the dark word print, many other words flew about in my mind. Words I had never heard before. Words I had never heard before. Most of these words were dictionary words, but some words were new. I often felt rhythm in consigning even the dictionary words to meanings deeper and broader than their common use. It was a pleasure to experience this great variety of words and terms in a way that was untinged by modern idioms, and to the extent even archaic words were polished and returned to the front lines of diction. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> okay. We're going to move on now. We're going to move on to talk about Gog and Magog, <clears throat> a Bible mystery. Turn to page 222, 222. Gog and Magog, 222. All of the way down to the bottom of the page, 
Below the underline, second entry down, says Gogs. Entities as living constructions. I have written a collection of teachings called the Constructions. And there is like over a hundred teachings. And they're all in these several big binder books. It's three to five. I can't even remember how many there are. But it is quite a collection of teaching. And called the Constructions because that is a revelation. Not like you think of construction out here of just someone building a building, but construction of the oracles of God, of the revelation of God, of the knowledge of God. Wow. And entities as living constructions. They were, they were themselves living constructions. You are a living construction. Constructed according to many, many circumstances. You're the construction of, of a flow of genetics. And you have all kinds of parts of, of relatives of the past in you. It's all part of your construction. And the experiences that you experience in life, they have effects on you and they become a part of your construction. And how you learn to think and act and react are all a part of your construction. Well, there were these entities. Entities is another name for like people. These entities, these people. Called living constructions. And they belong to the inner alpha orders called the Alphans of whom many became evil. And it gives some scriptures here. Ezekiel thirty-eight seventeen. And it talks about the holy level one thirtyfold. And then there's another scripture about them in Revelations 28. We're going to look at these. And put some things together here. Um, first, though, before you go on with that page, uh, let's go to um, let's let's go <clears throat> to page in the book one forty one, page one forty one. Here's a story from out of the the first thunder, the first universe. In the course of time, Astron issued a decree to Yavi saying, the history of all things ever existent or to be abides in the intracentrum of the Soundtrom. Therefore, go and teach the history of the inner Alpha Pass to all your realms. Yavi, stunned by Astron's proposition, retorted, only by the Holy Spirit instructions of the invisible ultimate God would I dare to do such a thing. Let this pass be. It belongs to death. 
Then Yavi, his voice dropping in deep concern, pleaded, Come, my brother, let us seek transformations that belong to spiritual alignments with the first domain. But An Astron, his face flushing in great anger, demanded, Today you and all your realms shall serve me, and you too shall know of Gog and Agog and the inner Alpha creations. Instantly, Yavi, with stance fixed firm, proclaimed, I will serve my invisible ultimate king, the I Am, and only am while I serve. Nevertheless, the realms of Yavi, <coughs> excuse me, Nevertheless, the realms of Yavi were overpowered by Astron, and Yavi was banished from Thalastica to live on planets among the Troniverse hordes of the Dark Realms and slow accelerations of a yet uncivilized people. Then Yavi loved the Dark Hordes to lighted lives and taught them accelerations of peace and joy. Now Yavi, of course, is the person that eventually becomes Yavael. Now some people say, oh, I, I really have a problem with that. I, I don't know how you could ever say that. Well, I could say it because it's Bible. You see, in the book of Hebrews, it says Jesus Christ is after the order of Melchizedek after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest. And then it goes on to say that, speaking of Jesus Christ, that only with much strong tears and prayers was he able to be saved. Now, if you don't know that's in the Bible and you don't want to take the time to look it up, but you just want to be convinced of what you want to believe, you're a free man, a free lady. Just go do your thing. But I'm telling you what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches. And I'm trying to show people today the, uh, the, the longevity of time. How that the long, long ago is much further and longer of a journey than people can even imagine. <clears throat> it's a point beyond which a person can even see the end. To, to try to understand eternity is just almost not capable, a capable thing to do with this physical human brain. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of God. And here in this universe, there is this person, Astron, who rose up to challenge Tanuel, who was the mother of Yavi. And there's quite a beautiful story about that. And he had different ideas about things. He wanted to get into the revelation of Gog and Magog and into the inner, uh, uh, the inner Alpha of the Alphans. And um, he wanted to know about the Gog and the, and the Magog. And at that time, 
You know, it was not lawful. You know, Paul at one time said, I was caught up to third heaven and I heard things that was not lawful. Nevertheless, even though it was not lawful, he heard them. And a lot of times it's like what Jesus said. He said, I have many things to say to you. Though There are things that God wants to tell you, but you are not ready now. That's what Jesus said. I have many things to, to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You are not ready now. So there are some things, though, that have happened in the past that, that God doesn't even want us to know. It's a waste of our time. That They belong to, to evil and they belong to damnation. But Astron wanted to know those things. He wanted to know those things about Gog and, and Magog. And Yavi said, I wouldn't dare to, to search out those things unless the ultimate God told me that I was to do so. You know, Jesus said, I, I don't do anything but what the Father tells me. Whatever the Father tells me, that's what I do. No wonder it was so important in the Word of God, honor thy mother and thy father. Honor thy mother and thy father. There is a symbolism. That doesn't mean that your earthly father or earthly mother is all, always perfect. But they nevertheless, regardless, represent metaphorically something, something very important about you as a daughter, as a son. And it's important to always honor your mother and your father. It's, it's, it's the word of God. Wow. And Astron was angry because Yahweh wouldn't agree with him. So he kicked Yahweh right out of the kingdom of which actually Yahweh had a, a first place as being the the son of Tanuel, who was the queen of Astron, in the sense of the Elastica, he was king over Astron, he was king over all these other uh, people, queen over them, rather. But Astron overpowered. Yavi and banished him to Thalastica to live on planets. Now, way, way back in time, they were living on, on planets. They weren't reduced to just one little planet. And, and you will see that more and more. They say that we are now nine, nine billion people on this planet. But in a short time, that is just going to continue to increase. And it's just going to absolutely be utterly amazing, the amount of people that are going to be on this planet. But he, he went out, and what did he do? He didn't go find a cave and get off to himself and say, oh, there's nothing but these hordes of, of dark realms and slow accelerations of a yet uncivilized people here. 
I don't want anything to do with them. I'm not like them. But Yahweh loved the dark hordes to light at lives and taught them accelerations of peace and joy. And in doing so, page 141, now turning to page 142, became the father of Ophanim glories. There's the story of the beginning of the Ophanim and how it came about. Just in case you think that you must have come from the highest orders being a Ophanim, just in case you might think that and be a little confused, the Ophanim story started with the Dark Hordes. Just in case you might wonder, when we fell from the glory, fell down here to the earth and became of a sinful nature, we came from the Dark Hordes. <laughs> You may not like to think that, but you might as well know the truth because only the truth can set you free. Wow. Became the father of the Ophanim glories. However, in the kingdom of Astron, strife began to erode his authority, and there arose challengers to Astron, and each other saying, <clears throat> I am of Gog, and some saying, I am of Agog. So, when you start raising the dead, be sure that you're not raising a Pharaoh or a Nebuchadnezzar that will want to make you captive and make you surrender all your rights and make you a slave. Be sure you're raising the right dead. <laughs> know what you're doing. Like when Adam went out there and he named the animals and he understood what those names meant. And by doing that and having the knowledge, he was spared from choosing one of those soulless, pre-Adamic people and marrying into them like it described that some of his offspring did later in the sixth chapter of Genesis. He could have had that happen to him earlier. But he had an understanding of the lattice. Now, the lattice is a very important thing. and one of The symbol of the lattice sometimes is the net. And Jesus one time said in the New Testament that the, the net was likened to the kingdom of God. So this lattice is a very, very important insight and understanding and revelation. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of God. We're going to keep moving here. Now, let's look at um, Revelations uh, 27 through 10. Revelations 20, 7 through 10. We want to show you uh, the importance here. How that this word revelation of Gog and Magog isn't just in the book of Ezekiel. But it goes on in to the New Testament. And it plays a major part in the New Testament. So... 
chapter 20, verse 7. Let's look at it. And when the thousand years are expired, we're in Revelation, chapter 20, verse 7. And when the, seven, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. He's going to go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, the Gog and the Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Now, it says that, <clears throat> verse 10, and the devil that deceived them, meaning the, the Gog and the Magog, was cast into the lake of fire. And in verse 9 it says, And they went up upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. End of those of Gog and Magog that surrounded the city. I'm sure that not all of the Gog and Magog could fit into that area because they, they're from the four corners of the earth and there was multitudes of them without number. So there was left of those people that had been deceived a revelation of what a mistake they had made, how they had been fooled and fouled by Satan. And these were people who were brought into Satan's kingdoms, uh, 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 his kingdom as though they were his offspring. But these are part of the people whose names had never been written in the Lamb's Book of Life because they were part of the new creations. But under that name, Gog and Magog, because evidently God is deciding because Astron and and Lucifer, and not to mention others, have brought that accursed doctrine of Gog and Magog back into the living reality of these universes. God's decided to purify that, that name. And those that were not destroyed, obviously going to be part of those new creation and be given a chance to, to find consciousness with God and eventually have a chance to gain a soul. Wow. Utterly, absolutely exciting. Turn to page 61 in your book. Page 61. Now notice at the top of the page it says parables of the Alpha Constructions. Wow. Parables of the Alpha Constructions. This parable thing is not minor. Insights like a song in the night continue to come into my mind. These insights which sometimes seem to be like a living storybook. 
I have conveyed as similitudes and parables. So it was I began to write the parables of the Alpha Constructions, the Manifester. Wow. Wow. And so, as we can see, ladies and gentlemen, there is a great revelation. It would take me many teachings to give you all the information about the Gogs and the Magogs. That is quite a major teaching. <clears throat> but I wanted you to, to have enough of it so that you would be able to see how that, that God in his mercy leads people upon paths to deliver them. And sometimes people reject those offers of God. And they turn against God, just not understanding, you know, what God is, is just really saying. And it is so sad <clears throat> when that becomes the case. It is just so very, very, very sad. Blessed be the name of God. Now, we know that there is a revelation in which in Ezekiel we are shown by a special interpretation. And if we don't have time to get into that today, we will eventually, uh, you know, get into it. But by very interpretation of that uh, part of Ezekiel, it reveals how that the interpretation which has been lost, when it is interpreted in the true revelation, that it just turns out to be a sensational thing. It turns out to be an absolutely sensational thing. So, that day is coming. That day in which uh, those revelations are going to be, but we're going to just touch on it now, but not have time to try to get into the fullness of it, but turn to page 64. And this is taken from Ezekiel 38.17 and Ezekiel 39.1-2. And it's a paraphrase. But it's a very accurate translation in the, in, in the MIV, Manifested Bible, Peace Manifest Bible. Now this is down about midway and it's inset, page 64, inset. And in script writing, O Gog, are you not the one of anterior beginnings that I spoke about to my messengers? servants to prophets and the seers, saying in latter times you would come against God's defenders, Israel, defender of humanity. Speak to Gog, the principal image from worlds past, and say, The Lord is against you, Gog. Therefore, when your image is regenerated from the depths of the sixth dimension, To be used against the leaders of God's defenders, I, 
will expose your secrets. Now, with this insight and understanding of those scriptures in which there's a tremendous amount of revelation coming from from the book of Ezekiel, in which God seems to be saying over and over again, I am against you, Gog. Now, why is he saying that since Gog lived way back in the inner alpha orders of the Alphans? Because that story of Gog has come forward all of the way into the eighth universe and also was brought forward into the first universe. So now it, it was brought into the first universe and now the last universe, not that, not that there won't be another universe, but the last universe to this point that has been created, it is present. And God is saying, I am against you. I'm against you, Gog and Magog, and I'm, I'm going to turn you back. I, I'm going to do something about you. I'm, I'm going to change this whole situation. I'm tired of, of this happening and these forces dark, bringing you back up. And so we see in the, in the book of Revelations 20, 17 through 10, as I read to you, that Gog and Magog are a major player still on earth. The whole four corners of the earth is full of them, and they're without number. There's so many of them. There's just so many of them, they are just like without, without a number. Now, that's important revelation for people to know. And there is, there is understanding about, about Gog and Magog. And, you know, you, you can read in Ezekiel 38, 17 and Ezekiel 39, 1 through 2. And and you can compare that to page 64 here uh, in the book and look at it carefully and God will reveal to you how that these revelations uh, are put in order. And, and you, you will see, as it says underneath this inset, so that you might understand the past by knowing the future and understand the future by knowing the past. Now speaks the Manifestor Chronicle writ. Wow. Wow. Many eternities past, living constructions called the gods dominated the dome spheres of the inner alpha world. These gods lived perpetuations before the genesis of universal orders, when as yet the clocks of universal time had not begun to tick. As yet the first domain did not exist. And this is important. <clears throat> This thing with the, the Gogs and the Magog is very important because this is a time when, when God lived in his presence in a certain way in this inner alpha realm. And he was present there. And then when this thing happened with Gog and Magog, that created the reason that God decided to separate himself from his creations. And he sped until the, the, the scripture of the Holy Manifest says his going was meeting his coming. And then he formed this place that was not a place called the first domain. And thus it shall forever and ever and ever and ever be. Wow. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. 
exciting story and much yet in here to be read about that. It just is super interesting to get into those constructions, you know, and to to read those things, to understand the seven thunders are speaking. And they're telling a story of before Genesis of this of this earth and of this world. They're speaking things that are past that happened before earth was even created because God wants us to know so that by seeing those things we are better able to guide our lives and understand the lattice of life. Blessed be the name of God. Now turn to the book and let's look at page 145. Page 145 in the book. Page 145, and we're going to look all the way down to the bottom of the page under the underline, the second entry down, and, A-N-D, being conjunctive, being conjunctive as in meaning additional sequences, or to repeat by multiplication, also used as a sendoki, for example, where and is used in the context of thousand thousands, ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, as found in Daniel 7.10, and where the term ten as contextually and conjunctionally connected is used in Daniel 7.10, and as such can be, can be defined meaning to multiply. Wow. Wow. And then it gives you references that you can use to see that. And how that the conjunctive aspect of the word and enables the term ten to be interpreted contextually and conjunctionally also connected to mean to multiply and and you you can you can look that up um, you know like uh, in in the Hebrew dictionary seventy two thirty one Rehab. Above to increase to multiply from the word ten. So uh, it's uh, totally, absolutely sensational. Now, and, the, and is throughout the book of Revelations and throughout the Bible. People have not understood how important and powerful a word that and was. <clears throat> it's a song. It's a revelation. It is saying that there is more that I have to speak, but you cannot bear it now. But one day, that revelation of paradise that Paul heard 
of words not lawful to be uttered, I will turn it around. It's like in the book of Revelations where John hears these revelations and and God speaks through the angel and says to him, seal up those things that the seven thunders have ordered. Seal up those things that the seven thunders have spoken and write them not. And so he obeys. And then after a period of time goes by, he says, okay, now you can speak those things. You can write those things. Begin to get this message out, for I have revealed this also to my servants, the prophets. Bless the name of God. There is a time. There is a conjunctive moment. There is a divine sweep of the hand of God that moves in us in the divineness of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, the five fingers of the hand of God, and shows us how to get deep in root, how to get planted into the hundredfold. And that's what God is doing in this day, in this hour, in this moment. And it's divine. And it's sweeping. And it's precious. And it's a referendum. It's a referendum in a a spiritual order. Setting aside, as Paul said, laying aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. The laying on of hands. The baptisms. The resurrection. I mean, by the time that list is full, a person say, well, it's impossible. What do you mean laying those aside? That is the gospel. No, it's just a part of the gospel. And it's not the part that will bring you into perfection. It will help. It has a place. It has a footprint. But he said, lay on those aside. Not that they should be done away with. No. But set aside because it's it's got to do with the displacement of things. You have to make room within your mind. Room within your uh, holy temple, your vessel. So that you can go on to perfection. And the holy manifest revelation is about going on to perfection. It's about moving in and moving out, moving out and moving in. It's like that song one time that we used to sing, such a spiritual song. Breathe in, breathe out, O Lord our God. Breathe in, breathe out in me. God wants to breathe in you. He wants to breathe in, and then he wants you to exhale. And that is the function of life and living. Omega in, uh, alpha in, pardon me, and omega out. The complete cycle, the complete cycle that will bring you into this kingdom revelation of the things of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's like 
a great and beautiful thing because contained in it as a sinatoki and the meaning of sinatoki is that there's other parts that you need in order to finish the meaning of the text that is written right there where that and is conjunctive. And that and stretches out to all the books of the Bible. That and stretches out to every verse. It reaches beyond every period. It reaches beyond every comma, every punctuation mark. It reaches beyond. And then it reaches into those verses that allow you to enter into continuous revelation. And it tells you to speak the things. By the Holy Spirit, it tells you, speak the things that become sound doctrine. Because as you speak them, you create them. And they become doctrine as honeydew coming down from heaven. And this doctrine becomes a replacement for the harshness of the Old Testament doctrine. Wherein was inscribed in us the sentence of death. And that sentence of death is removed from us and nailed to the cross. And we begin through this understanding to, to transcend into the nature of Jesus Christ. And the meanings that were not significant to us before suddenly become very significant. And the flowers that we did not see before, we suddenly see. And the songs that we did not hear before, we suddenly hear. And the glory that we did not feel the tingling of before, we suddenly feel the tingling. The Holy Spirit simulates, and we are raptured with it, caught up with it, and we become a part of that glory. Because that glory is a part of that part which is a part of Jesus our Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the lovely one, the precious one, the beautiful one. Blessed be the name of Jesus. For there is no other name given among men to be saved but the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. So I thank you and I praise I praise you for hearing this part. I want to go on to some very interesting things. But that Sinandoki Sinan is a great and wonderful revelation. <clears throat> Before we just close it out, look at page 150. Page 150 in the book. And at the top verse it says, Let it be said that if everything was spelled out in a translated idiom of language as to the history of all of the universe, no book 
or electronic text could, con- text could contain it. Therefore, all of the Troniverse universe is now conclusively coded. Is is now con- uh, is now conclusively coded and written in the word and and the following symbols. <coughs> and asterisk three dots. Asterisk over three dots. Asterisk over three dots. Asterisk over three dots. Asterisk over three dots. Five asterisk. Three, six, nine, twelve. Wow. Wow. Fifteen dots. Then larger separation marks. One, two, three, four, five. Then T, five T's, three without the dot over them. Three are capital. The other two are not capital. T, 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 T. There is in this symbol, there is in this conclusively coded and written word, in a continuum of the word and that incorporates all of the things that have not been said, all of the revelation that has not been given. And this code is at the end of every one of the seven universes that are exclaimed about in this book. And one day, not today, one day, I will get into the revelation of what this means. But God will have to show me that it is the time and the place and the moment. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, now we're moving on to the Akka lost language. And we already started talking about it in page 36 and page 47. So we're going to carry on and talk about uh, it a little deeper. Uh, I want to share with you some really deep and beautiful things that accentuate the Akka, the lost language. In the Bible, in the book of Exodus, if you would like to turn there, to the book of Exodus, Chapter 2410, I want to show you an absolutely amazing verse. Absolutely amazing. Chapter 24, verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there were 70 elders, and Moses, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Wow. That's 74 persons. And they saw the God of Israel. Now the Bible says no man has ever seen God at any time. But you have to understand that this God of Israel is talking about Yahweh, who was in a human body 
It's not talking about the God, the ultimate invisible God, which is in the spirit form. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. Now, most people read that, and they read over it, and it doesn't mean too much to them. Nothing too excite, exciting to them about something that's paved. They drive on paved roads most every day. But it was a paved work of a sapphire stone. There was a road in this meaning of sapphire. This sapphire stone had a meaning. It was a road. It's paved. I want to show you that the sapphire gem is used to represent the very foundational pavings of the universal heavens and that the universal heavens are described as the throne of God. Wow. Blessed be the name of God. Now, we know that in the book of Mark 15, don't lose your place in Exodus 24. We're going to come back to it. But skip over here to Mark, which um, comes after, um, after Matthew. And let's look at the end of the book at the very end of the book of Mark. And we're looking at chapter 16. And in chapter 16, verse, um, verse 16, let's make it verse 15, Mark sixteen fifteen, and, there's that word again, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want to get this message over to the people of this world. I know right now it's very difficult for a lot of them to believe this. So many people are caught up with the, the uh, rushings of, of uh, brainwashings that they have had on doctrine that they can't get out of their mind that Jesus is not expected to come any day. And Jesus is not expected to come every day. That is not a biblical teaching. Because the Bible is very clear that actually Jesus cannot even come right now. It says so right in the book of Thessalonians. It says Jesus cannot come now. And I was talking with someone the other day, <clears throat> and they said, well, all of the, most of the preachers in the, the book of of the Bible, books of the Bible, the New Testament, they all taught that, you know, Jesus was was coming soon. They were all expecting him to come right away. And I said, yeah. Didn't look like they were very right, did it? They all thought Jesus was going to come in their day. Didn't work out, did it? You think that's a good example for some of you people to catch on? Paul even, as great as Paul was, he said, 
We that we, W-E, we that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. He thought he was going to still be alive. He never thought at the time that he was going to be killed by official king's orders, martyred, said, we that we that remain and are alive will be caught up. But it, it didn't work out, did it? And you can go, you can get on the Internet right now. You can, uh, After I preach this message, please. right? You can get on the Internet right now and you can read. You can put up there about prophecies of the church or of ministers that have failed. And you will find dozens and dozens, hundreds of names. And some of these are top well-known people, even like Luther, that made false predictions, and popes, and, and the preachers of some of the, uh, that started some of the main foundational groups and denominations. And they're listed, and it tells the, the, the prophecies that they made about the coming of Jesus and about the end of the world. And they were all A-L-L wrong. They were wrong. And it's like that scripture in the New Testament that said, you know, it goes on and it says, Jesus will not come until, uh, you know, until John, the disciple, you know, that, be that before John, the disciple, dies, Jesus will come. And then the Bible corrects it and it says, but that is not what Jesus taught. He basically said, what is it to thee if I should put off my coming until John passes away? What is it to thee? He didn't say that that's the way it was going to be. He was given an example that people need to not look at these kind of things. But people couldn't understand him. And if you don't believe that, it says in the book of the, of the Gospel of John that a great light shined in the darkness, and what? The darkness comprehended it not. And Paul said, that, that, that veil of darkness that was over the heads of the people is still in his day over the heads of the people. And this included some really great and powerful men. Come on, people. Don't you get in the Bible and say, yeah, well, look, at this. these guys preached it. Uh-huh. But they were wrong. They were wrong. W-R-O-N-G. Wrong. Wasn't that a lot of things they believed were not good? But on that thing about which Jesus said, don't set any dates. It's not given for me to know, nor the angels in heaven, only the only. The almighty, invisible God is it given to know. And why are these people on earth trying to know something that is not given them to know? And in Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him, that you should not soon be shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. But that's, people aren't obeying the word. They are troubled. They're shaken in mind. 
And Jesus said, you're not to do that. It's written here in this word. Let no man deceive you. doesn't matter who that man is. If he's a preacher, if, he, if he's a missionary, if he's a, if he's a priest, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, that day, what day? I beseech you, brethren, to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And I've had people say to me, well, that, that falling away has already happened. No, it hasn't. And that's false. And that's a false prophecy. And if you get into that false prophecy and start believing that, you will be leaving, you will be believing a lie. And the Bible says that people will be given strong delusions to believe a lie and be damned. Someone says that's really tough. Yeah, that is tough. But we gotta we gotta shake out of this thing. We've got to get out of this kind of stuff. We've got to start believing what's right. Someone says, well, you know, the temple now, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the we're the temple, so it's a new temple. <laughs> we know there's the temple. But what are you trying to do? Do away with, with, with the perpetual covenant that God made with Israel? Why do you people make your trips over there to Israel and, you know, do all sing the, the the songs and do all the things you do? Because down deep somewhere inside, you realize there is a covenant of God with Israel. And God spoke in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, Mount Moriah, which is one of the hills that's a part of a part of the prophecy where the temple is to be rebuilt. It it is it is part of Zion. Part of the mountain of Zion. It is it's part of those hills that come right off of that. Mount Moriah, that is where the Muslim mosque is built, and something's going to have to happen there. Because until that new temple is built, where God said it was to be built, it's not talking about, you know, and I, you know, this man of perdition isn't the, your human nature inside of you sitting on your throne of pride. That's not what it's talking about. Come on. It's talking about the false prophet. And, and, and that's revealed in Daniel. And that's revealed in Revelation. And that's revealed in the Scriptures. And he's going to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God. Now, you think that's what's happening inside of you? Then God have mercy on you if you think that's where you're at. That he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God. Is that what you are doing? Are you, are you claiming this by saying that it's talking about your temple? Are you claiming that you as God are, are, are showing yourself that you are God? and You're sitting in your temple as God? Is that what you are claiming? That is what you are claiming when you go into that doctrine and you accept that doctrine as what you believe, that that temple, which is your temple, replaces the temple in the Bible where the son of perdition, the false prophet, is to sit and call himself God, replacing the true God with himself being God. And that's what you will be claiming. And you'll be taking that, that accursed uh, thing on yourself by believing that, that, 
awful doctrine that is not true, that is false. And if you really took this word as it says it, then you wouldn't have to be troubled. You wouldn't have to be shaken in mind, neither by the Spirit nor the Word nor by letter, which is the Bible, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you, for that day shall not come, except there come this falling away first, and the falling away first is immediately related to the man of sin being revealed and setting himself up in the throne. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to understand the mystery of iniquity. God wants us to understand these things. But i got to go on here. I don't want to run out of time. i got some very important things to share with you. Now, back here to Exodus 24. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about this incredible sapphire. It's a gem. And it, it is second only to diamonds for hardness. It's a number nine, and it it is in some of its forms almost like transparent, a white transparency, and it has twelve points of a star. One of the very few stones or any kind of diamond that would have such a connection. The number twelve is so important. And it is the, it's in, belongs into the second row, the second stone of the breastplate that was all part of the connection to the Urim and Thummim. And it's connected then in the, in the understanding of, the, of this second connection because it's the second stone in the foundations of Jerusalem. In the city of God, the foundation of Jerusalem, the second stone. And so then it belongs to the second greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God was first, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That is what this stone is about, this sapphire stone. There's a road in it. It's a paved. There's a road. Now, don't lose your place in Exodus, but I'll give you, I'll read to you that road. Because in our teachings, there's 70,000 years in chapter 105 of Psalms that's, that the thousand years of the covenant are going to continue for a thousand generations. And we know where we're going and we know what the revelation is. Now when you turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, I read this quite often and I will continue to do that because as the days of the future come, people will realize. Let's start with verse 13, chapter 51. And forgettest the Lord thy maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and hath feared continuously every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were already to destroy? And where is the fury the fury of the oppressor, the captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. But I am the Lord thy God that divideth the seas, whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in thy mouth. These words are sealed 
in a prophecy, in a destiny in Israel. And there's a spiritual Israel and there's a physical Israel. And I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. I may plant the heavens. God is going to plant the heavens, ladies and gentlemen. Israel will one day become extremely a technically advanced nation and will seek to put a new Zion into outer space on other planets. That's a prophecy. Wow. And just to make this final connection, and I don't know that I did it when I turned to it, but let's just read it again in Mark, the 16th chapter. Seems like we went over there, but I can't remember the main point that I made there. But in 1615, we'll read it again. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world. And the word for world there is cosmos. Now there's some other places that it, like in, in Matthew, um, it uses the word world, which means like the terrain and the earth. But it means it only as it incorporates the earth being a part of the universe, being a part of the cosmos. Because then later in the book of Matthew, it mentions the word world again, and it connects the word world with the cosmos. So you suddenly have then this revelation where in the verse 21 it says, And then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. Cosmos. So when in 24, uh, verse 2414 it says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, then shall the end come. <laughs> we understand that that world there it mentions the earth and the terrain, but contextually only because as earth it is part of the universe into which God has sent his people to go. Wow. And so now in these stones and agates that the Bible talks about Urim and Thummim, that talks about in the breastplate, that talks about in the foundations, their colors, their kind of stones. Those are all coded messages. They're messages. They are part of the lost language of Akka because people have lost the understanding and the meaning of what those beautiful, descriptive, deep oracles are and what they belong to and what they are saying. And it is so absolutely important for people to be able to come into those understandings and be able to come in to that revelation. Now, in Exodus 24.10, the sapphire gem is used 
to represent, as I said earlier, the very foundation pavings of the universal heavens. The universal heavens are described as the throne of God. Now, let's look at another place in the Bible that uses the word paving. Turn to Canticles or Song of the Solomon. And let's look at this. Song of the Solomon. That's over, you know, after Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, after Ecclesiastes, before Isaiah. And we look at the Song of Solomon. Let's look. Let's look at 3, verse 3. Uh, pardon me, chapter 3, verse 10. And let's start with verse 9. And King Solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. And he made the pillars thereof of silver, and the bottom thereof of gold, covering of it of purple, the midst thereof being paved with love for the daughters of Jerusalem. Wow. You see, there is incorporated in this by this chariot, there is incorporated the Zeth. And there is incorporated in all these various meanings, which I don't have time to go into, but eventually someday we will. Incredible revelation. And when it says here, in the midst thereof, it is paved with love. We, we talked, some of you have the copies of it that I sent out, which I talked about the constant of the universe the constant of the first domain, that the constant of the first domain was love. And then it was different than the kind that how we understand love. It was actually an energy of creation. And this chariot, this zith, this part of the revelation of the heavens is paved with love. For the daughters of Jerusalem, which it represents the humans that are out on the planets, go ye into all the universe, into all the cosmos, and preach the gospel. Wow. That's why time is going to go on. Because there's a plan. It's, it's written into the, the heart and into the spirit of the people in the midst of the chariot, being paved with love, equal to the second commandment, love thy neighbor, the second foundation. Wow! It's truly beautiful, and it's truly awesome. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the holy name of God. It's exciting. Now, let's look and another part here that is very interesting. We want to not miss out on these things. When we look at some of this word paving, we actually come up with a word in the Strong's Concordance of tessellations. And in this tessellation, uh, which is connected to lattice, we can find terms 
of a incredible revealed atomic system that replicates the entire universe. So I know that they're calling it strings, but it really isn't strings. It's tessellations. And this is the very ingredient of revelation in which someday I will mathematically and biblically show the people fits together the grand unification of all of the energies of the universe. Years and years ago, when I was walking up to the church in Indiana one time, God spoke to me, and he said, in everything there is a lattice. And that was the beginning of the revelation of the lattice of that's like the net, which is representative of the kingdom of God. These tessellations in term of a universal atomic system that replicates the entire universe is going to be so compelling with this crystalline revelation that there's going to be a stir on this earth when that day comes. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me move on here because I'm running out of time and I've got to finish this. Okay. When we, we look at this thing in Exodus 24.10 and we discover that this sapphire uh, is part of the breastplate, Exodus 28.14, and that the sapphire stone is the second row, Exodus 39.11. Didn't we understand that what it is actually saying there in Exodus 24 is a marvelous, incredible thing? It is actually a revelation about the grand design of the universe. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it were as it and it was as it were the body of heaven in its clearness. Wow. Now one of the things that is so very important about heaven, because this is connected then, as I re read in here, as it were the body of heaven, as it were the body of heaven in its clearness, as, as it were the revelation of the grand unification of the heaven, of the plan of God, of the soundtron, of Latolution, of the whole works of the revelation, it's right here in this 24th chapter of Exodus in these verses. And it says it, as it were, the body, the wholeness. Now I know the International Bible calls that the sky, but it's not the sky. It's talking about the body of heaven. 
He's talking about the whole heaven, the cosmos. And there's a clearness here. There's a path here. And, and the meaning of this paved work and all these kind of things that it is saying is beautiful. In Isaiah 66, 1 through 2, 1 through 2 it says, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Wow. In Ezekiel 126, it talks about the throne in the heaven. In Ezekiel 10, 1, it talks about the throne in the heaven. Did you know that almost all the colors of the rainbow can be found in the sapphire, Jim? It is a highly refractive stone. It has in it the number 12 because it can have and use all the 12 points of a star. It is the second foundation of, of the city of Jerusalem. It is the second row of the breastplate of Aaron. There's a message there. It's part of the lost language of Akah. And the heaven is my throne. We haven't always understood what the throne was. We just think about an earthly configuration, which the Bible says that is not the real thing. That's only a shadow of the things to come. It's just figurative. But when we begin to understand that the heaven is my throne, let's look at some scriptures real fast here. I've got to move. Turn to Revelations 4, 2, 2 and 5. Revelations 4, 2 and 5. Let me read this. I've got to read these scriptures. 4, 2, and 5. Here we go. 4, 2. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of the fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. This is a, a, a revelation that in the, this heaven that is the throne, which is this universe where God says, go into all the universe, into all the cosmos, and preach the gospel. He says, I'll put in your mouth, I have put inside you this plan to plant the heavens. You're going to plant them. It's all part of God's plan. People are so limited in their ideas about their little house on the, on the street where they live, and that that being all there is to life. <laughs> You're missing the whole long term of God's re-ingenerations, the 70,000-year covenant of Psalms 90 merged with Psalms 105. Wow. And we see that in the heavens is where they proceed with the lightnings and the thunder and the voices. And incorporated in that is the revelation of all the seven universes, which are represented by seven plural independent spirits of God, representing each of the peoples that overcame of each universe. Turn to Matthew 5, 
5.34. Matthew 5.34. Hang and hold here, folks. Blessed be the name of God. Matthew 5.34. Here we go. And I say unto you, swear not at all. <clears throat> swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. And Matthew 23, 22 basically says the same thing. Now turn to Colossians. I want to read that. Colossians. That comes after Corinthians, after Galatians, after Ephesians, after Philippians, then Colossians. 1.16. Listen to this. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And all things were created by him and for him, whether they be thrones. This revelation of the throne is so important. So important. Let's look at Revelations 20.11. 20.11 says, and I, saw, and I saw a great white throne, white, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. Wow. And that all connects to Isaiah 51. That all connects to the rainbow around about the throne. The sapphire has all the colors of the rainbow. You can read in Isaiah 54, 11 through 14 about the sapphires. What an important role, important place that they play. And their power of being highly refractive. Their 12-star asterism, 12 points, 12 rays pointed star of the sapphire, ties into the 12 circuits of the Soundtron. And when we read in other parts of the Bible, we read into more of the lost language of Akka. Psalms 18:11. It talks about the pavilion, the of the dark pavilion of God. Psalms 27:5 and Psalms 31:20 and Jeremiah 43:10 and 2 Samuel 22:12. These are all parts of the revelation of the grand design of the universe. We can show the radiation from the central point of the membranes of this paved road of embroidered tessellations. Stones as if in the brightening of the stones. The dimension of space that they fill. How that they are paved be in the causeway, be in the revelation 
having in them the story. Wow. Wow. Isaiah 66, 1, 2, the heaven is my throne. The heaven is my throne. And this is happening, just as it said, in the heavens. And so, the language, the lost language of Akka is being revived and resurrected today from the words of the Holy Manifest teachings. And as we go through this book, the Manifest Chronicles before Genesis, Seven Thunders Speak, this is just one of the books of the Holy Manifest. There are seven chapters of the Holy Manifest. This is one of the books. One of the other books that one day we will get out is called My Father's House. And it will be one of the most outstanding revelations that will shake almost the very foundations of religiosity. I want you to gird up the loins of your minds, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to be strong to hearken unto this word. I want to pray now as my wife is softly furnishing the mood of music in the background. Lord, reach out to the people that are listening to this word. Open the vision in them of this revelation. Because God, it will set them free. Because God, it will give them peace. Because God, it will make them strong in the revelation of God. Because God, it will bring them onto the path of the revelation continuum. Strengthen them this day, God, and bless them. Bless them. So God bless you, and then I want to say this. I want to make this announcement. At last, as most of you have been notified, but in case there's any here that have not, you can now go into the manifest uh, com, and you can find where you can connect to a brand new book that has now been made available. And you'll want to get that book. It is one of a kind also. And we've had incredible things, and as I explained last week, that are already happening. It is now available. And so get on there and look at that because it's about two persons. A great artist by the name of Razuli and Jerry Lee the Manifester. And they met by the Spirit years and years before they met in the flesh. And God revealed to me where this man was. And then he came to Canada here to be with me. And we shared our meeting. Then he went back to his home in California. And now we've written this book together, The Art and the Pearls of Writ. So if you're interested, it is on themanifestor.com. God bless you and keep you 
and cause his face to shine upon you. And if you need healing in your body, be you healed and made ever with whole. Good night. <laughs>